Welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. I'm not Mr. Bill. This is Anand Harsh, his manager and editor-in-chief over at theunce.com, filling in for Bill, who is out on assignment. His guest today is Wyatt Christensen with Daw Nation, which produces a popular YouTube series in the Daw, as well as the podcast Behind the Daw, in addition to creating courses to help people get better at making music, just like Bill. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind everyone that the Mr. Bill Patreon has finally launched. These podcasts take a lot of time to produce. Bill gets to just sit in his studio and chat with his friends in the industry for an hour. But then his producer, Robert, has to painstakingly edit out all the ambient hums and buzzes from everyone's gear and take out all the parts where Bill and his guests accidentally reveal their deepest, darkest secrets, or at least the ones that will get us all sued. So each hour of the podcast you enjoy actually takes a number of hours to create, and we're putting out two episodes a week now. Regardless of the level that you subscribe at, you'll be getting all those episodes earlier than the general public, so there's a lot to gloat about. Head over to patreon.com slash Tunes to see how reasonably priced all the levels are. Become a subscriber. Hold that moral superiority in your heart like a burning ember that fuels your daily life and help support the team that puts these out twice a week. I'll discuss more of the perks on next week's episode. And uh, one final thing, go to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up as a hardcore Abletoneer so you can become better at producing. Okay, now I'm ready to turn it back over to Bill for the interview, which is really, really good. Enjoy this one. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. cool man well fuck yeah thanks for being on the podcast i appreciate it of course man thank you for having me this is such an honor yeah well yeah i know you've asked me to do yours before and um and i've we, we talked about doing it and I'm, i apologize that that never happened yet but i'm still down to do it of course man. um yeah i think b- before all this quarantine stuff started happening i just had so much fucking shit to do all the time in the way of like shows so basically like the schedule was just like all week i'd just be sort of cranking out tunes and and trying to build a set for the weekend and then all weekend i'd just travel and, and play shows and then i'd come back and be super tired on monday and tuesday and then the same routine would just occur week after week so it was really tough and not that conducive to doing much else dude your your massive success that you have is the best apology i've ever heard so i really appreciate that nice <laughs> um yeah what, what have you been up to man Oh, dude, we, so, so much, man. So we have been relentlessly working so hard. A lot of people have been extremely negatively affected by COVID. We have been extremely blessed by COVID. We're one of the very few companies, businesses, brands, whatever you want to say, that have been massively blessed by it. Um, We've been able to, for two months straight, double our sales consistently, and it's just been insane, hmm. dude. 
Yeah, I guess that makes sense because it's like so many people have time right now to finally delve into all the shit that they probably always wanted exactly. to, and now they're not they're not like hindered by work obligations and stuff like that to do so. And therefore, yeah, a company like your own, where you're selling sample packs, I suppose, and like tutorial stuff and like racks and shit like that is probably going to do better than normal. Exactly, exactly. We, it also came in at a time when we were trying new tactics and the tactics worked as well. So the combination of trying new tactics plus everyone being home on their phone, seeing our ads, it just, oh man, it's it's it, it's kind of provided an atmosphere of survivor's remorse, which kind of sucks, but it's, yeah, there's been a lot of beautiful things that have been happening. So we've been moving at a ridiculously fast rate, trying to keep up with everything. So yeah. Crazy. And when you say we, um, how many, how many people are in, uh, the, so, so the company is in the door, right? Is that the company? So the t- company itself is called DAW Nation. And then okay. in the DAW is the, is the podcast or one of the podcasts, one of the, one of the series that we have. Um, but the company is, so I'm the, I'm the founder. I'm the one who initially started it. And then, so then I have five employees and then we have about nine different partners, people that we're creating things with. So like courses or sample right. packs or things of that nature. So, yeah. Like AU5 would be one of those partners. AU5 is the biggest partner by far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Cool. Yep. <clears throat> cool, man. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm glad you're successful with that. Yeah. Um, what What is the deal within the door? Because from my perspective, it used to be something that was like multiplier related. And I never <laughs> wanted to do it because um, there was like some shit that happened when we did the collab alliance where he basically just like, he just like, I don't know, he, did, he didn't take the challenge seriously or whatever. And then a bunch of people were sort of mad about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like care too much about it. But just the stigma around like all the hate he was getting for that made me like sort of want to just distance. For sure. Um, yeah, not that I have a problem with him at all. I think his tutorials are pretty funny and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like so so didn't it, didn't it start as something related to him? And then uh, it seemed like it you distance as well or like i don't know what yeah, was the, so what's it's, the deal it's a really good question i've actually never publicly revealed what actually happened so there there's going to be some people that are really happy to finally see what happened behind the scenes so basically what happened was initially it started as that after um after i graduated from icon collective i had this idea um one of my biggest gripes about music production schools whether it's icon or dubspot or, or pure mind or whatever it is right is that the vast majority of the people that you learn from in there aren't actually doing what you want to do they're not actually you know like touring artists they're not actually you know the producers that are like making a living off music right and that was one of my biggest gripes about it and so i coming out of icon i was like All I want to do, the number one thing that I want to do is actually learn from the producers that are actually doing it, right? If I want to become a contractor, I want to go learn from a contractor. If I want to be a doctor, I want to go learn from doctors. If I want to be an astronaut, I want to learn from an astronaut. I want to learn straight from the source. And so Mm -hmm. I had this idea, me and Multiplier, I did a few private lessons with him. And in the middle of the night, this came to me, this idea. It's like, well, what if we just did that? What if we had a series where we invited people like you, like AU5, like like uh, all the people that we've had on. What if we invite them and just nerd out over a song that they've made? Just break it down. Like, what did you do here? How did you do this? All this kind of stuff, right? Like, what if we had that? And so the reason why I initially went with Multiplier is because he did, you know, like we were friends and he had, you know, at the time, I think it was like 50,000 followers. So it was a good jumping off point. And um, I was like, yeah, do you want to you do this with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Let's try it out. And so we did it and it was a massive hit. Like everyone loved it for the exact same reason that I said, 
Like where, where else can you go online to consistently learn from new people that are currently crushing it in the industry? Most of the time it's people trying to recreate sounds or whatever. Like your, your channel is one of the most legitimate ones because you're actually doing it. Right. You're actually you, you right, are right. actually doing it. And so learning from you is a treat. Learning from Virtual Riot is a treat. Learning from 85 is a treat because you guys are actually doing it. But learning from so and so who's just like, hey, I recreated this sound or I did this thing or I heard one time that this big producer did this thing is one of my biggest gripes. So we started mm-hmm. this series called In the Da. And we invited, you know, again, like these big people that came on. Uh, some of the people that we've had on are people like Kashmir, Mode Step, Fox Stevenson, AU5, of course, Quicks, Said the Sky, uh, Delta Heavy. Recently, we've had people like Slippy, uh, Graves, uh, a whole bunch of people. I can't even remember everyone that we've had on. But what happened was around episode 50, we're currently on episode like 80 or so right now, but around episode 50, uh, multiplier came to me because at the time he was only allowing me to release uh, twice a month. He was only allowing me to upload onto his channel twice a month, right? And the deal was that basically he, I, I was like, I will schedule everyone. I'll go, I'll go and find everyone. I'll do, I'll do all the video editing. I'll do all the social media. I'll run whatever ads that I need to. I'll do anything. All you have to do is just show up and give me your password so I can upload it onto your channel. That was the deal, <laughs> right? Right, right. And um, so he's allowing me to do this twice a month. But then he came to me and he was like, I want to scale it down to only once a month. And I didn't really understand his reasoning. I was like, dude, like you're getting a lot of traffic from this stuff. And, you know, a lot of people are finding out about you. But he's just like, no, I want to scale down. It's just it's just not my thing. I want to scale down. I'm like, OK, that's that's totally fine. I was like, this may be the best time for us to actually create an, an, an actual individual platform that no longer lives on your channel but is over on like its own separate channel and create it over there like are you okay with that he's like absolutely so we we did the split and we moved it over there and then uh it's it's not that we necessarily fell out of touch is more so just like he got busy and we well i guess yeah that means that we fell out of touch anyways so i I think mm -hmm. um i can understand why he may have been like that it's it's he may he may have been feeling like the very constant uploads of the indoor stuff on his channel was looking too much like a hard pivot on his sure. part into some other thing. Whereas like maybe he wanted to, you know, sort of stay on track with what he was doing sure. before. And I, I sometimes feel that way a little bit about my channel, because like, if you look at my channel now, mostly what's up there is podcasts. And I mean, I just put a tutorial out like yesterday and it did super well, mm-hmm. but like, um, yeah, mostly it's podcasts at this point. And I do see quite a lot of comments of people being like, oh man, how about like putting up a tutorial? Because, you know, they initially followed because they wanted to see me doing tutorials. They didn't really follow for the podcast. Sure. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of having my shit available everywhere, which is why I still do it and don't listen to those people. But I, could, I think I can understand his perspective if that was it. For sure, for sure. And, and you're right. If it's, and that's kind of the vibe that I was getting as well. It seemed interesting because like from, the, from my perspective, I was like, and you don't even have to do anything. Like I'm doing all this for you. Like you have big people coming on the show, but the perspective that you just provided is actually, I feel like is very logical and very legitimate. If it's not what he was wanting to do, or it's not in line with the vision that he had, that completely makes sense. And you know, I, I have to respect that because that's his platform, right? Well, I can get, yeah, I can give you a, another example of, of some time when that's happened to me when it was not beneficial. Yeah. Um, was when I posted a meme once to my Mr. Bill Facebook page. And at the time I had, I want to say like, I don't know, 20,000 followers on Facebook or something. And overnight that number jumped to 50,000. And the post has like, I don't know, 1.5 million shares. Like it's, it went like, it was probably like the most viral thing on Facebook that day. It was this fucking meme that I posted from my artist page. 
And really what ended up happening is it really destroyed my artist page because now um, whenever I post, uh, two thirds of the audience that I'm posting to are just people who want to see another meme and only one third of or two thirds of the audience um, or two fifths or whatever the fuck are like people who who don't give a shit about, uh, who actually give a shit about my music. You know what I mean? I do. I know and exactly what you mean. So maybe, yeah, I can see like maybe he was trying to stop something like that from happening perhaps. Of course. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a really good perspective. And that sucks because you finally were able to tap into the beautiful algorithm, but in the wrong way. And that's, <laughs> yeah. That's and then, and then like uh, to, to multiply his uh, credit, um, it'd be like me or it'd be like my manager, for instance, was telling me, he's like, dude, fuck it. Like, this is great. Like you got a lot of numbers on your page. Now you're getting so much traffic from this. But in my opinion, and, and I, I turned out to be right, was that, yeah, sure. It's like a lot of traffic, but it's the wrong kind of traffic, Indeed. you know, because it's like, I'd prefer to have a hundred people on my page with full engagement who are actually going to give a shit about the stuff that I put out and buy the shit that I put out and support me as an artist and all of that kind of stuff, rather than have... 50,000 people on my page who literally just want to see memes because I don't make memes. So That's, That makes complete sense. It does It does seem that the situation with Multi was slightly different because I was bringing in the exact audience that he wanted to. However, I do agree with what you were saying because maybe it just wasn't in the avenue in which he wanted to bring those people in, right? Maybe he wanted to bring them in in the, mm, in the fashion yeah. that he wanted to. But still, your, your, your point yeah. is very valid and it's very eye-opening and I appreciate that actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so another thing I wanted to talk about um, in, in what you were saying is uh, learning from people who are good teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, learning from people who are good producers who are like crushing it in the industry yeah. and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think um, that good producers, though, are always good teachers. I agree. Like, for, for instance, I've, I've heard really sick producers before, and I don't know, I won't like mention names, but there's a few like, you know, pretty iconic large tutorials out there. <laughs> from back in the day from uh, specific dubstep producers and whatnot who um, are just like the worst at teaching, right? Like they're not fucking good at explaining at all Indeed. what they do. They're amazing at making music and they're amazing DJs, but it's almost like they intrinsically know this stuff and they have real trouble articulating it to somebody else. Um, and the same applies in like eSports, right? Like you can hear a commentator of, of like a Counter-Strike game or something uh, sort of talking about the game and they're able to articulate like all of the points of the game really interestingly and all of this shit but like if they actually played the game they'd get their ass kicked by these pro players but if you listen to some of these pro players like actually talk in uh interviews and stuff like that and i don't mean to be like uh in inconsiderate or whatever but like a lot of them are sort of on the spectrum it seems like and they're just not good at articulating ideas like they're fucking amazing at the game but they're just not super good at articulating what they're trying to say about the game, even though they intrinsically really know what they're doing. And I feel like that's the case sometimes for producers and, and not to say that like producers or, or whatever who can't explain their shit are like on the spectrum, but like definitely I feel like, um, you, you know what I mean? Like of it's, course. It's, it's almost like there's some teachers that I've, that I've heard before who may not make great music and who may not be like crushing it in the industry and who may not be like, you know, writing stuff that I care about or anything like that, but they're just so fucking good at explaining the program. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's like a lot of value for that. So, so I don't, I understand what you're saying too. And I, and I appreciate that as a uh, perspective as well as like, yeah, you want to be learning off like, you know, someone who's actually doing it because that's, it feels more legitimate to actually believe that information versus some information from some tech guy or whatever, who doesn't know what, how to make a tune, but knows how to read a manual or something. Sure. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like that's, that's been my experience. A lot of the time is, uh, a lot of the time I've, I've gotten really good information from people who are not very good at writing music. And I've had the, the same experience a lot of the time, especially collaborating with friends and stuff who are amazing producers and not being able to get super good information out of them. You know, I completely agree with what you're saying. And to, if we're being candid, which I, I really appreciate your candidness here, I, there have been people that in theory, according to looking at their social media numbers or onto their Spotify numbers, in theory, having them on the show would have provided a very informational and very enlightening episode. However, that was not the case. I'm not going to say any names. However, there are ha- there there have been people that we've had on that have ridiculously smaller numbers, like haven't even broken 10k monthly listeners on Spotify, and they are geniuses, like actual literal geniuses. So I want you to know that we're we're definitely not a platform where we're trying to just bring on people with huge numbers, but you know, we're trying to find that sweet spot where it's like, okay, they have broken through and and received success. And they are really freaking good at explaining what they're talking about. Unless mm. unless we find someone that is so ridiculously good, unbelievably freaking good, but maybe has a smaller uh, smaller audience, then at that point, you know, it's like, no, we, we still need to have them on because this is going to make an unbelievable episode. And those are actually the right, episodes right. that I personally love the most, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Austin is a great example of that. He's somebody who's like crushing it in the industry and is also just like super good at articulating... Uh, the ideas that he has about like synthesis and whatnot and i completely agree yeah the 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 dude oh man (laughs) that guy is unbelievably smart man i can only imagine when you two get in the studio and just like start speaking so fast about technical terms that most people like it's just a different language to them so that's that's so cool man totally yeah um yeah i i think i had austin on here like a few days ago and um yeah some of the the i don't know he has just like such a deep understanding of shit like phase mm-hmm. like stuff that's that i just don't like i, <laughs> I kind of grasp what phases so, you know it's like stuff on the time domain True. and the relationship between such stuff but i don't think i just like grasp it quite as intrinsically and innately as he does he it's, it's like he just fucking knew what it was when he was born or something oh my gosh dude when we, we so we've done two courses together we've done the school base and the serum master class and i i can genuinely say that I, I <laughs> when we were recording, I was just taking mental notes the entire time. I'm like, I wonder how many times he's gonna say the word phase in each video. It came out being like 500 <laughs> times or something like that. Like it's it's actually insane. Yeah. Almost every single time, I was like, why does this do this, or why would you do this, or how do you do this? And he's like, oh, it's because of the phase rotation and the phase incoherencies. And once you do this, and like it almost always had to do with phase. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, I found um I think the way that you that you approach this stuff is pretty interesting too because like I was saying before, I don't think necessarily these some people are are as good at explaining stuff as they are at doing it. And I think that the way you do it kind of solves that problem a little bit. Like I watched some of the schooler base course with AE5 and it's like not that he's a bad teacher, but it's like having you next to him in the studio as you're recording the course to sort of like, you know, bounce ideas off and like reiterate certain things that you think are interesting and and stuff like that i thought was like a good angle i really appreciate Um, that yeah and same with uh the in in the door stuff you know it's like you could get somebody who's an an amazing producer who isn't maybe so good at uh talking about how to produce and because you're you or whoever else is is there on the channel sort of guiding them through it who who maybe do have these like slightly more nuanced teaching skills um it kind of like fixes that problem a little bit i completely agree and i appreciate that man 
Yeah, of course. Um, speaking of making music, do you write music as well? I don't think I've ever heard any, anything. Uh, you're, you're amongst a, a lot of people asking that question. And so, um, yeah, so I initially came into this, into the music production realm uh, back in 2015. And of course, that was the dream of wanting to do with everything. Um, along the way, I got married and had two kids. And mm. um, everyone can agree who, who is married and has two kids that finances shoot up dramatically when that happens. And so unfortunately, I, I did have to put that to the side. However, I was put in a position where I could still work within the music industry and provide for my family at the same time. That's why I started in the DAW, behind the DAW, DAW Nation, all that kind of stuff is to do that. So the short answer is no, I don't have any music out. The long answer is I wish I had music out. It's just with everything that we have going on, man, it's so hard to stare at a computer screen all day long doing things related to music production and then in my downtime have the desire to do that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel that for sure. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So you uh, you said you went to Icon. When did you finish up there? Yeah, so that was in 2017. So I graduated in September 2017. I was the the online student of the year at Icon. So yeah, that was oh wow. Yeah, that was yeah right before my son was born. Yep. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, so are you LA based? Or? So I live just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. I can swear okay. on my grave I will never move to LA. <laughs> Right, right. That's interesting, man. I, I, I like Salt Lake City. Do you know um, SLDP there? Yeah, actually, yeah, I do. I, I know quite a few people that have went there. That's really cool that you know that place. Yeah, who's the guy who teaches there? I forget his name. Personally, I don't really um, know the people that, that teach there. I just know some of the students there, but that's cool that you know them. Okay. Yeah, I, I was there um, in October last year, and I walked in and like gave a quick talk on nice. some stuff. Uh, yeah, cool people there. So my buddy Squanto is like a dubstep guy. Uh -huh. He... um. He was living out in Utah for a while. I don't know if he's still out there. I think he might be quarantining in Massachusetts. But um, he, yeah, he, it's a great place, man. Fucking Salt Lake City is so nice. Oh, I, I like, you know, a lot of people talk about Colorado and the mountains and all that shit. But it's like <laughs> when you're in Colorado, like if you're living in Denver, you're not really in the mountains. No, like you're, you're pretty, not. You, you, you can see them, but like they're pretty far <laughs> away. But if you're in Salt Lake City, man, you're fucking in the mountains oh, like dude. they're right there. <laughs> So AU5, right? When he when we flew out to do the Serum Masterclass with me. Um <laughs> so he he only ever been to Salt Lake. And so have you just out of curiosity, is Salt Lake the only place that you've been to inside of Utah? No, I've been to Leighton and I've been to like Og Ogden. Okay, okay. So you still haven't even seen the most beautiful parts yet. That's that's the tragic okay. part of this conversation. So the beautiful parts are you, you don't even start seeing like the real beautiful parts until you really head south. So we went down to my family's cabin, which is for those listening, I really highly encourage you to look up where this is because it's in the middle of nowhere. It's called Hatch, Utah. It has a population of like seventeen people. And Hatch, Utah. I'm looking it up right do now. Do it. And then right next to Hatch, Utah is this place called Bryce Canyon. And when I took AU5 there, like he was almost in tears, man. He was just like, this is here? This is a thing? Holy shit, that's dude, what, this place looks insane. That's what I'm saying, man. Like that, like, it, looks like a, it looks like Moab or something. Oh, dude, Moab. Okay, so you know what Moab is. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's just like that. Moab, uh, Zion's uh, uh, freaking Knab, like all these places, dude. Literally, like if any of you that are listening have ever been to Red Rocks, if you could create like a freaking 50-mile radius just landscape out of red rocks that is what you're yeah. probably looking at right now right yeah 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 it looks fucking insane it's like 
the Moai or whatever, like with all the stone exactly. heads and shit, but just like, yeah. Exactly. So, oh. so like, I'm always trying to convince AE5 to move here, right? Because it just makes things so much easier. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And I was like, well, just wait till we drive down there. And, uh, he, you know, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's thinking a little bit harder about it, driving back to the airport, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it looks amazing. That's a great place to go do a course. Um, so what are, what's your... Uh, your your process i guess for making a course like that did did you guys kind of just like hit record on the i assume you use the dslr or something and then hit record on the screen cap and then oh. sort of just <laughs> oh shit excuse me um sit there and like shoot the shit about like sound design and all that kind of stuff for you know yeah, few days yeah. so our- straight and then sort of when you take all the uh footage back and whatnot do all the edits and try and like save all the racks in folders and like sort of just process everything that you did Exactly. Like after that trip sort of thing? Exactly. So how we would do it now is massively different than how we would have done it a year ago, which is when we did like your master class in school base and things of that nature. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an actual freaking nightmare. So we'd have two video recordings. One would be from either a webcam or a DSLR camera. Um, and then the second recording would be from our screen recording. And then we would have the internal recording of Ableton. And then we would have Austin's vocals and my vocals and somehow getting them all to sync up is literally harder than anything else that has ever existed in all of humanity. <laughs> it is actually yeah. freaking a joke. Well, here's, here's the way I do that mm-hmm. is, um, so I have my vocal mic, mm-hmm. which is uh, separate from my system audio. Good. And then I have my screen recording and then I have a DSLR. And what I do is I play a snare really loudly out of Ableton, uh-huh. which gets the audio recorded into the DSLR and into my system audio and into my microphone. And then in my editing software, I just line that snare up um, and then, you know, that lines all the files up. And do you have any problem with audio drift? I used to when I used a program called ScreenFlow on Mac. Okay. But for some reason, using Streamlabs OBS and a Canon 77D and a Zoom H4n, it seems pretty damn good. Okay. But then again, I only ever record for like 25 minutes at a time. So like... You, you, might, have actually, is... you might have actually just changed my life, okay? Because I can say that's probably been the number one pain point that we had with anything that we've ever done. Not, not only just courses, but like in the DAWs as well, is that. Because you have to manually go and line everything up, separate everything. Oh my gosh, dude. I'd literally rather yeah. paint a fence with no paint. Like it's, oh my gosh, right. it's the worst. And then like, yeah, 20 minutes into the edit, it starts to like all drift out and you have oh. to like figure out how to line it back up again. Oh my gosh. That's why we have a team now is because I literally hated that so much, man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of our process. We do it differently now though. We do it a, a, a little bit differently now. Um, mm. mainly the main difference is that most of the things that we recorded with some of our courses has been through zoom. So it's been people that have been in their studio and we've been in our studio and that is a freaking nightmare. That's, that's like a nightmare within a nightmare, right? Because yeah, right. <laughs> everything that can go wrong with zoom. Oh my gosh, there's so many things that can go wrong with zoom. So now I like, I refuse to work with anyone now unless they are in the studio with me. We are in the same room. We are filming inside the same room and I'm going to go implement what you're talking about so that we can minimize audio, audio drift now, visual drift, whatever it is. So what, yeah, what are you using to record your audio and your video? Cause I'm, and what are you using to edit in? Cause I'm curious, like why you might be getting the drift. Yeah. So what we were doing back with the school based with the serum masterclass, we were using, what is this? The, the Logitech Brio something or another. It's the $300 uh, webcam 
for uh, you know, mm-hmm. like from cost there come Costco or Best Buy or whatever, right? So that was the the visual part of it, right? We no longer use uh-huh. that. We now have a Canon 90D, and that's helped out a lot with the quality and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, so that's our that's the camera that we have. And then for the uh, microphone, I got a Neumann TLM 103 going into a um, going into an Apollo, and then I can't remember which microphone that AU5 has. I'm not sure which one that is. Um, but yeah, that was kind of our setup, and then and then we would record our screen audio through, or sorry, we record our screen through QuickTime, and on and all of the internal audio was rerouted into going from Ableton Ten rerouting into Ableton Nine. Ah, oh, um, that might have been why you think? you're getting. I don't know. And then wait, it, where were you doing the edit? Were you doing it? What software were you editing? It was either editing? in. Pre- so we went back and forth. Was, some of it was in Final Cut, and final, some of it was in uh, uh, Premiere. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. The only thing I can think is maybe um, what you were recording the screen with and your webcam recording or your whatever you were recording the other visual with were just recorded maybe at different frame rates. Very big possibility. Extremely huge then, possibility. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know a lot about that stuff. But yeah, luckily, I, I, I haven't recorded a tutorial in a long ass time. I did my first one again like this week in, in about a year. And I know what you're talking about because with the Artemis Bill season one, I had that problem mm-hmm. and it was fucking so annoying. Um and I haven't had that problem for a while. And I'm know, glad to hear that. Okay, I mean, so that, that actually gives me hope for the future because that was it was the bane of my existence, dude. So I appreciate you giving me your advice with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've had that same problem before, and I, I know how painful it is, man. Um, so where did you get like all your marketing skills from? Because I've noticed, um, like in terms of ads. I just see in the door ads like pre-rolling on fucking like every YouTube video <laughs> and I see them on Instagram all the time. I see them on Facebook. Like I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just, I guess, curious, like uh, obviously you're very entrepreneurial inclined and, and whatnot. I'm just curious, like where you kind of found all those skills or was it something that you just decided I have kids, I want to make money <laughs> and then like just started reading a shitload about like ads and stuff. This is a really good question. And I apologize in advance if I get very, very, very passionate about this. Cause this is something that like, I really get really excited about and very angry about at the same time. So we might be getting, you know, really, really intense with, with, with this question, but I appreciate you asking this cause this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, so, okay. Where do we begin? So what blows my mind consistently is this ability that we have this, this, this resource that we have, which is the internet never before in all of history. Have we been able to have a tool that allows us to connect with almost literally anyone on, on any corner of the earth. Right. And that has always blown me away. It's like, it's like the internet can connect you with anyone. You can do anything with it. And one of the, one of the biggest pain points that I have had with not only like when, you know, like when I first started learning music and, and releasing, you know, a few things underneath a, another alias that I'll never reveal to the public. Um, but the, the pain point that I have with that, as well as a lot of the pain points that I've talked to with amazing producers is that this idea that, you create something, you pour your heart and soul into a creation, into a song, into an EP, into an album, and then you release it and it doesn't have the life that it should. It doesn't reach the people that it was meant to reach. I'm not talking about this in a vain point. Like, it's not like, oh man, I didn't get a million streams. I don't care about that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm referring to is how you know, basically it, 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 
didn't reach and help the people that it could have. It didn't change the lives that it could have. You know what I mean? I'm sure you've had this with your music. AU5 has told me many times how people have reached out to him saying this song helped them more than anything with this specific struggle that they were going or gave them enlightenment in the area that they needed to. But the fact that that could be bottlenecked somehow, the fact that you, you can't get that out to the people that, you, that, that, it, that it could get out to is something that eats me alive. The fact that we have this unbelievably powerful thing, which is the internet, but no one, literally almost no one knows how to use it, how to take something and blast it out to the world, to the people that are most likely going to love it and most likely going to be affected by it, eats me alive, Bill. Like it, it keeps me up at night. So with that, that is when I started walking down this path of how can you actually use marketing? How can you actually use the internet in the proper way so that you can create something, you can create something that you absolutely love, that you poured your heart and soul into and then get it out to the people that is actually going to help and that actually care about it. Like that, that's where all of this started, right? Mm-hmm. And then where, what came from that was naturally I was like, okay, like right now this is all centered around music. Like it's all like centered around like getting your music out to people. Okay. So I'm going to go learn from people in the music industry that, um, that, uh, assumingly are really good at that. So I started listening to podcasts about music business. I started listening to, uh, you know, or started reading blogs and, and YouTube videos about, about music marketing and stuff like that. But in almost every single podcast and almost every single blog post that I ever read or YouTube video that I watched, it's like, it, it didn't really make sense. It's like, wait, from everything that I know about marketing, which wasn't mo- a lot at that point, it's just like, wait, but you seem to be contradicting yourself what do you mean you do this strategy and this, this strategy? That seems really like, that sounds like hopeful marketing. Like it sounds like you just put it out there and hope that it works. Right. But that's not how marketing works in any other industry in the entire world. Marketing in any other industry in the entire world, you put money in and you have formulas and you have, you have reasonable doubt that things are going to work with music. It just sounds like no one knows. You just throw it out into the internet and hopefully it works. And so that really, 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 really freaking bugged me. And so I decided for a time to completely separate myself from the music industry because I was like, okay, I'm not finding anyone in the music industry that really seems to know what they're talking about. So I'm going to go off of the music industry and look into other industries and see what they are talking about and see if I can make sense of what's going on. And I can tell you, Bill, that was the smartest decision, not the smartest. I made a lot of smart decisions, but that was one of the smartest decisions that I've ever made. From there, I was able to go and learn about people like John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire. I was able to learn about Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels. I was able to learn about Dean Graciosi, Tony Robbins. And and for those listening, I'd highly encourage you to go check out these people. And their mindset of marketing and how to do things and and how to present your things in the world, how to use the internet to do this was actually like freaking mind-blowing. Like it was life-changing what I learned from them. And so from there, that's when I started to learn the tactics that actually worked. That was actually like, this freaking makes sense. This really makes sense. And so that's when I started implementing what I learned from them over to what like we were doing within the DAW and behind the DAW. And we started implementing with our courses and things like that. And everything just erupted at that time. And it was just like, we, we couldn't keep up with the amount of growth that we were having. And... I was just like, this, this is it. This is it. And I was so excited, like so freaking excited. It's like, this is, this is marketing. This makes sense. You do this and it do this and it works like this and blah, 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 blah. But the thing is, is that the more that I tried to integrate these ideas, 
outside of the music industry, these marketing ideas outside of the industry to these people, like these record label holders or, or these, these, these agencies that you know, specifically focus on music promotion and things of that nature or, or, or independent artists that are trying to grow a thing. The more that I try to tell people, I can't explain the amount of pushback that I've had where, where they're just like, there's no way. There is absolutely no freaking way that this could work. And I'm like, dude, just, 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 like, like, I understand the skepticism, but just try it. Literally just try it. There's, there's no harm in trying it. But like the amount of like stubbornness of being like, absolutely not. We will not do that. We will not try what was working in this other industry is like really quite shocking. And so I kind of had to take matters into my own hands as, as far as marketing on a music, on a music promotional basis. And so I had to like go and find people that were willing to try these things. And holy crap, Bill, like the things that we are figuring out right now on the back end right now with, with kind of, cause it's kind of a side project. It's not really what we're doing mainly with like donation, but these things that we're testing on the back end, implementing these marketing strategies that I've learned into producing production is when we, when we really expose what we've talked about, it's, it's going to be freaking huge. But getting back to the question that, that you were talking about, that that is how I got started into all of this and how I've learned the things that I've learned and continue to learn the things that I've learned because my personal belief is the most powerful weapon that you could ever have in your entire life when it comes to your music career is the internet. If you can learn how to use the internet, you can grow any brand, you can grow anything, you can become anything that you want to because at that point, you know how to take the weapon, find the people that actually love what you are doing. You'll never have to compromise on any artistic decision ever again because you can go find those people and you can scale that up into affinity because of how big the world is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I have a few notes and apologies if, if you heard me typing no, through it's fine. Uh, totally fine. the time you're talking. Please. I was just typing down. Yeah, I was just typing notes down to like, respond about because otherwise i would forget them of course the of course of and tear thing. tear me apart like if i love this if you have uh, dis, if you disagree with me i love this we'd love to do that so go ahead and hit me uh, i don't i don't disagree but okay. there's like a few forks that i want to make in that conversation yeah. and just like open up a little further let's do it um so one was you you said like um uh, people sort of like spend all this time on music and think that it's going to be like this kind of timeless thing and it just doesn't reach enough people right mm -hmm. um and that like sort of online music has a bit of a shelf life or whatever mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's true, but I feel like a lot of it has a shelf life because of the way that people go about writing music. I feel like there's a lot of this mentality of, of uh, oh, I have to make, uh, you know, a dubstep song that sounds kind of like this other dubstep song I heard because that got X amount of plays on Spotify and I would like to get X amount of plays on Spotify. And therefore, clearly what I need to do is replicate this thing that already exists, right? Mm -hmm. Like that seems to be sort of the logic a lot of people are working on. And I feel like that is what really gives music a shelf life is when you're doing that, you're always going to be so far behind the actual people who are inventors, you know? Like if you take Skrillex, for example, he's an inventor for sure. Like he's an amazing forward-thinking producer. But when you take other people who are like, well, because that works so well, I need to do it, that's going to give all of the stuff coming off the back of Skrillex's music in its wake such a shelf life because it's just replicated copies of and obviously not felt from the heart type of shit. Whereas say somebody like Tipper, um, you know, who clearly just makes music because he loves to do it and clearly just makes the shit that makes him feel really good or really bad, whatever emotion he's trying to convey. And is just so good at doing that. Um, I mean, shit, you can listen to albums of his from like 2008 and they still sound incredibly relevant. Mm -hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> so I think that's that's point number one. I agree. Uh, point number two is I think it's also possible to foster a marketing, uh, sorry, a community around your music that doesn't require marketing. And another great example of this is Tipper. Um, for instance, he uh, never really posts on social media, never really makes a big deal about anything. And then, you know, he's just been doing it for so long. And I, I will say in your defense, um, it has taken him 20 years to foster this yeah. community. But like, um, you know, he's at the point now where he literally just like writes an EP, six tracks or whatever, or an album, uh, puts it out on Bandcamp and posts about it like maybe one time. And his community surrounding him just uh, fucking goes nuts and just like word of mouth just carries it around, right? Of course. Um, and I think the same can be said a little bit for like making music like a, if you make um, music with a shitload of detail in it that kind of warrants paying a, a ton of attention to, then you're going to attract that kind of attention where people, you know, really pay attention to your music. And a good example of that is, say, a band like Tool, right? Mm. Like their their music just warrants that that much attention to detail with your listening because it has actually required that much thought to make in its process. Um, I think a lot of these people who are making like this more sort of simple stuff and they will even probably in the studio be espousing ideas like, well, we can't do anything too complicated because, you know, that's not going to hit if we do something that's too complicated and we can't like go too far in this weird direction that's too experimental and that's going to like isolate a lot of people from being able to enjoy it and stuff like that. But then they also wonder why they're not getting this like incredibly deep look at their music. It's like, well, you're not making music that warrants an incredibly deep look and you're you're actually intentionally doing that by sitting in the studio saying these things and, and behaving this way. So that's point number two. I think it's possible to foster a, a community that doesn't require marketing to, to have your music be listened to upon its release. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to address is uh, when you're talking about you know, people who just would, would not try things that you would suggest to them. I think there's like this... Um, Uh, a lot of people in the music industry are just like kind of scared of marketing a little bit they think it's like shilly and they think uh you know if i do this i'm gonna be seen as like a hacky shill kind of gross marketing fucking person or something like that and you know I'll, I'll lose the respect of a lot of my like og fans who just liked me for you know my music or whatever and yeah so i i can i think I just wanted to like address of that course. too and say that I think I think that's the reason or, or one of the reasons probably there's many reasons of why like a lot of people in the music industry don't really like to get too heavily into marketing and try to like to rely on the music a little bit more to do this the talking kind of thing. Of course, of course. And just out of curiosity, and, and, and your editor can edit this out. Uh, it's more so just a, as a personal question to you. Are you are you okay if if like we be like okay, I you said that, but I, I kind of disagree, and I kind of want to counter that and, and bring this up is are we okay to have that kind of conversation like are you are you are you, would you be okay if i like countered you on some of those points absolutely no that's okay. exactly what this Perfect. podcast is for yeah and, uh, yeah no I, I don't um yeah no that absolutely okay cool. like, I, I, yeah cool cool, cool. yeah because there, there have been some people that like I've, I've countered on other podcasts and they've been extremely offended because of it um and so i just want to make i mean that's <laughs> yeah that's fucking stupid no i i literally started this podcast to have these kind of conversations cool. with people I, and i love yeah i love a discourse like a a good hearted discourse where like no one's the goal of this is not for me to try and be right and you to be wrong or you to be right and me to be wrong like the whole point of this discourse is like just to gain a better understanding of where everyone's at like (laughs) if if you tell me a bunch of stuff and i don't necessarily agree i still kind of win from that because then i just have a better understanding of the world and the people in it right sure 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 okay that that makes me feel a lot better okay so then with with what you were saying then is i want to go back to 
well, you know, with the with the first point that you made, I completely agree with you. Don't know, no disagreements with there. There is a portion of what you brought up with point number two that I do disagree with. And so how you're saying that you can build a community without marketing. In fact, I would say it's almost impossible to because even though you're not running ads, even though you're not, uh, even though you're not, you know, running an Instagram ad and convincing people to come over to your page or anything like that. It's, it's still marketing whenever you put something out and you're trying to get people into your world. Now, I don't know that much about Tipper. Maybe he is the type of person where you just put it out and he's like, I literally do not care if one person listens to this. I just want to put it out there. I'm not sure if he's like that or if he's like, no, like I do want to have a fan base, but it's still considered marketing whenever you put something out and you're trying to get someone to come and follow you and come to be a part of a community. It's just not the normally defined version of marketing, like running ads and things of that nature. So that's the first thing I kind of wanted to bring up. But then secondly, you know, I, I, I understand that the, the concept that you're talking about, like he was able to build this community and, you know, he never really ran ads. He never really did a lot of advertising, stuff like that. And, and I can bring up some people who did that as well. You know, like one guy that I really think is crushing it right now and like basically is doing no advertising whatsoever is Eliminate. He's doing absolutely fantastic with his Twitch stream with like every, it seems like everything he touches turns to gold. Uh, Crywolf is another one. He has just like one of the most concerning cult followings I've ever seen. He doesn't really do that much advertising. So so I don't know about Crywolf, but definitely Eliminate um, releases on Disciple who do run ads. Okay, that's that's a fair, that's a really fair point. Okay, so. So, so Tipper is completely Bandcamp, that's okay, it. Okay, so let me let me go ahead and etch a sketch that, okay? So remove, remove, eliminate from the from the process. But there, there are people out there, right, that are just like ridiculously good that aren't running ads and somehow coming through. But I do feel like for every person that we can bring up like Tipper or Crywolf, I can also bring up 100 other people that are trying to do the same thing and not getting that result. So it's, I, right. I, do, I do just want to bring up like the, the novelty or the anomaly v- v- version of that. And so I, one, one thing I just don't want people to do is being like, wow, Tipper did it. Therefore, I never have to learn about marketing ever. And I just need to do this. And, right. and, I, and yeah, yeah. To, to caveat Tipper's career, like I said, it took him 20 yeah. years to do. So I think, and the other thing is like, his music is just super fucking unique. Of course. Just like Eliminate, Eliminate's music is super unique as well. And I think, you know, part of what um, I, I think Seth Godin said this, where he said, like, you have to do something that is uh, familiar so people understand it and feel comfortable around mm-hmm. it. But it also has to be a little bit unique and a little bit different. Right. Of course. And I think Eliminate has done that with sort of like rhythm, hybrid, trap, EDM stuff. And I feel like Tip has done that with hip hop, uh, electronic, trip hop kind of stuff. I completely agree. Really quick question. What was I, I as soon as you start talking about it, I'm going to remember what was the third point that you brought up from from the conversation. Oh, I, was, I was talking about um, how some people in the music industry are sort of like fearful yes. of marketing because they feel like it'll be shilly or something like yes, that. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so I want to touch on that one more time because that is whenever there's, there's definitely been people that I've had the marketing talk with and they've accepted it. Like 85 is one of those guys. He just saw the logic and he's like, absolutely, let's do this. And then there's been other people where I've had the marketing talk with and they did exactly what you said. They're just, they, they think it's scammy. They think it's unauthentic. They think it's the, the I believe the word you used was shrilly. And, and I can, I can completely understand that. Like, obviously there's a lot of like, you know, if you're trying to make really emotional music, but you have to use the tactics that people are using at 3am on an infomercial, trying to sell you some special type of knife, (laughs) then obviously there seems to be some kind of disconnect. However, I do want to counter that and say marketing when done right, will never put you in that position. It will never. It, I agree. Yeah. yeah, you need to build like campaigns that are suitable for like the artist and suitable for the product that you're selling and stuff. Exactly, and also the choosing the path 
to not market yourself or market your music. I personally feel like, and I would, I'm completely fine if you disagree with this, I feel like is one of the most selfish things that you can do. Because again, you have one of the most powerful weapons in the entire world to reach the people that, that will love you, but you are making an active decision not to connect with those people and to only allow a very small amount of people to partake of your art because mm, I you think don't want to do that. I, yeah, no, I totally agree with with, with that. Okay. I think another thing is that a lot of people see it as a gamble, right? Like a lot of people see this whole, oh, fuck, I got to pay Facebook 10 bucks to like show my shit to my fans <laughs> who have like come to like my page. Like, fuck that. Like they've come to like my page. I should be able to connect with them if I want. Yeah. Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. And then they like don't want to give Mark money. But um, I think it's pretty tried and tested at this point that, you know, regular marketing is like you put in a dollar, you get out two, but internet marketing is insane. It's like you put in a dollar and you get out 10. Exactly. And so I, the fact, like, I, I want to let you know that whenever someone brings up that argument, it's like, oh, but I don't want to pay Mark Zuckerberg amount of money to that, that. Whenever someone says stuff like that, that is one of the funnest arguments to just dismantle because of this. Our ancestors are looking beyond the grave and they are looking at this tool that we have and they are like, are you freaking kidding me? I planted corn and hay and wheat and had to freaking live in the middle of nowhere. You carry around a thing that can connect you with all the world all at once and it takes $10 to reach 10,000 people. Are you freaking kidding me right now? <laughs> and so like, yes, like it, it, of course, like it'd be great if we could grow platforms like our Facebook pages and be able to access that all at once. Yes, that would be the the utopia. I completely agree. However, Mark Zuckerberg, we, we don't own our Facebook pages. We are just renting that digital space from him whenever we grow that. And we have to realize well, I, that. I would argue um, that we're not even like, that's not the reason that Facebook exists. So I, I, I would argue that we're actually, I mean, and this is not a new idea, that we're the product of Facebook and now data is being sold to other companies. Oh, yeah, right? of course. Of course. That's 100% going on. You're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, just still this concept of, uh, I don't want to pay to reach an unbelievable amount of people for a very small amount of money is like, just so like, do you understand what you have? Do you really understand what you have to me? Like I've thought about this before. I, I tried to equate that scenario to like 200 years ago in the 1800s to properly equate that to like the 1800s would be to have this unbelievably huge diamond, like this foot long diamond that you have. And you're like, uh, I slept on the floor last night and I haven't eaten for three days. Oh, what is this diamond here? Just get it out of the way. It's so annoying. Why do I have this thing? It's like, <laughs> dude, you're sitting on something that could completely change your life and change your entire family. It could change the entire freaking city's life with something like that. And so <laughs> like, it's just blows me away that people can't grasp that and use that to their I advantage. Yeah, I think there's a, lo a little bit of principle basis there too, right? Like there's a little bit of the principle of like, yeah, I could like, you know, give Mark Zuckerberg money and and I'm sort of just playing devil's advocate. Of here. course, play it. Um, yeah, I could I could give Mark Zuckerberg money and and you know, get some something back from it. But it's like the principle that he owns like fucking 20 Lamborghinis and lives in a giant house and owns like more money than anyone. Like, why should I just contribute to that at all? Sure, sure. And if that's the case, then go ahead and go over to YouTube or TikTok or Spotify or SoundCloud or, you know what I mean? You can go to any platform. You can go find a platform that you want to. I feel like you'd be shooting right. yourself in the foot ridiculously to say, I am not going to put my music out to the people that really need this because therefore Mark Zuckerberg is going to benefit from it as well. I feel like that's very short-sighted and ultimately going to screw a lot of people over. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. But um, 
There's also like grassroots methods too, right? Like what was that lady, Amanda Palmer, who toured for a long ass time? I guess she was kind of already successful. Um, and then, you know, would stay on fans' couches and all that stuff and then started a GoFundMe to, because she didn't want to like be indebted to a record label. And, and she was kind of like one of the first people like at the forefront of crowdfunding to prove that this model yeah. works and, and got given like fucking a million dollars or some shit to like record an album. Of course. By just her fans. And those, those, and, and, so I keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think um, like this grassroots method is still sort of legitimate and, and can be done. But yeah, I also um, agree with you that like it's kind of uh, a hit or miss kind of thing, whereas like marketing on the like Internet marketing, running ads on you know f- uh, YouTube pre-rolls and getting it in, in, in Instagram feeds and stuff like that. It's almost like a surefire thing. Exactly. And, and you're absolutely right. Of course, you can go do grassroots stuff. Of course, you can do guerrilla marketing. Of course, you can go stand out in front of the 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 the, 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 the oh, my gosh, what's called the venue where your favorite artist that you sound like is playing and hand out your USBs. Of course, you could do that and you're going to see a result. But I guess the question is, like, where is your time best spent? You got to remember, you have very limited time on this earth. You have very precious time on this earth. Me personally, I want to use that time to the best of my advantage, 100% to the best of my advantage. And to me, I don't know anything else that could give me a bigger bang for my buck than the internet. Like you said, normal businesses, they want to put in a dollar and get out too. The internet, you put out one and get back 10. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. I, no, it's it's insane. And I've done this and I, I understand it completely. Um I guess like my next question would be like, uh, do you think there's sort of a limit here where if um, if everybody just starts marketing and this might be something that we see in like, you know, 10 or 20 years where it's just sort of commonplace to be like, yeah, you know, that's the next step after you finish writing your music is do marketing. And it's just like not even a question. Like everybody knows that that's what works. Um, then what? Because like, you know, obviously there was these sort of methods on Facebook and shit like that back in the day where people were like, ah, oh, the thing that works is video content, you know, like, or, or, or photos, like, and people were trying to sort of hack the algorithm in the early days of Facebook. And then it's, it's almost like as soon as everybody figured it out, Facebook put a money block there, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I kind of, I'm curious, like, do you think, um, you know, 10 years down the track when, when internet marketing is like, or even five years or two years, who the fuck knows everything's growing so fast now that everyone knows, like, that's sort of like the, the next step after you finish your, music is like you release it and chuck money into internet marketing so then what we have thousands of thousands of artists like the amount of artists we have now it's like there's more producers and people on the planet who are running pre-roll ads on all youtube videos then does it become a less powerful thing or that's such a good question so i want to give you the realistic answer and then i want to give you the theoretical answer okay so the real the realistic answer is this when it comes to anything marketing or business related i can genuinely say this from all the studying that I've done and from all the people I've talked about, the music industry is generally 10 to 15 years behind in marketing than literally any other industry in the entire world. In fact, mm-hmm. I work a lot. Like I, I have a, a private mastermind that I'm a part of um, with, with other internet marketers. And the music industry, not from me, but from the other people in there, is the butt of the joke every single time. Every single time, we're like, at least, at least we're not marketers in the music industry. Jeez, those Neanderthals. Like, literally, <laughs> that is it every single time. So the realistic answer is, do I think that the music industry will ever catch up to what is actually currently working right now on a mass scale? Absolutely not. The data, the evidence, and the the history of that has is completely contrary to that statement. However, let's talk about it theoretically, or maybe something crazy does happen, and it does scale up to that amount. And it does scale yeah, up. Like musicians all of a sudden decide they're going to be not fucking arty and they're going to 
pay attention to what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Or, like, or have that perfect combination of still being arty and still leveraging marketing. Let's say that happened. All right. Let's say that was a reality. Welcome to utopia because you got to remember just because everyone gets into something. I don't believe in this concept of oversaturation, not in the amount of people that live in this world, because someone could make the exact same argument. It's like 30 years ago, it's like, oh, thank goodness that we only sell records and that only some people can create music because if everyone could create music, oh my gosh, it'd be so saturated. Well, here we are, you know, how long was that? 50 years later, and we're like, thank goodness we're not back then because I'd still have to be listening to music that I only kind of like. Now there's this really crazy, weird music that I can go and find by myself. If people actually knew how to do this, they would be consistently putting their music in front of the people that actually want to hear their music. You got to remember when you do marketing right, you put it in front of the people who actually want this kind of stuff. Right. And so if everyone was doing that, we, the consumer, would never have to waste our time sifting through crap music because if everyone knew how to market perfectly, I would be able to hop on YouTube or I'd be able to listen to a Spotify ad or anything of that nature and be like, Wyatt, do you really like AU5 style music? I do. Do you also like rap music like NF? I do. Here is the perfect combination of this person. Well, hot diggity daffodil. Thank you, marketing, for helping me find this perfect combination of what I wanted. Right. And, and, and we would basically be in a, in a musical utopia at that point because you would find the people that actually wanted to. And those people that are creating what you want would come and find you. It would be amazing, in my opinion. You see what I'm saying? So it almost. Right. Yeah, I guess um, I feel like what's going to happen instead of that is uh, AI will just figure that out for us. Oh. Right? And it already kind of is like, you know, if you're on Netflix and you watch 10 things, it has a pretty good idea of the shit you like to watch. Exactly. and starts showing you that kind of stuff. Oh, isn't it beautiful? It's like <laughs> Yeah, it's like if you've ever logged into your girlfriend's Netflix, you're like, what is all this bullshit? Exactly, And then you like go into your own one and you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is all the shit I exactly oh, want to watch. Could you, um, could you imagine so if I you had an AI on so, your side? Could you imagine that? An AI being <laughs> like, what's up, bro? I'm going to go show your music to 300,000 people today that I know are going to love your music. I'll be back in a second. You know, could you imagine right, that's that? Like, uh, the, yeah, it's like the power of big data. Exactly. But I mean, you know, that's sort of technology at the moment is reserved for these giant companies but yeah perhaps it'll be like a more independently achievable thing in the future oh, i completely agree and i can't like i really can't wait for that still don't think that people in the music industry are gonna do it i can almost guarantee that 10 10 years from now the music industry is just going to be getting into like wait maybe we should run instagram story ads and all the rest of us marketers <laughs> are gonna be like oh fudge dude really <laughs> you know um yeah, I feel that. And and I think that just, just comes from like the hippie sort of mindset that musicians have always had. They're always like, no, man, I got to stay like true to my shit. <laughs> and it, and I, I respect that. I think that's great. I mean, those kind of people on the planet make the world a pleasant place to live. Like, you know, have you ever gone to a music festival sure. and, uh, full of like these really nice, good hearted people? I, I love that shit. But like, yeah, the, <laughs> versus like, you know, if you go to a tech thing like um, <laughs> I don't know, Defcon or something, I've never been to Defcon, but, you know, I can only assume it's like, well, maybe that's a bad example. Maybe like a, you know, some sort of entrepreneurial marketing networking meetup or something. I can only imagine like the vibe there is fucking quite different. It's interesting. It's interesting that you say that because that that is one thing that that is one of the biggest pushbacks that I get from trying to incorporate this. This marketing is a really good thing mind state, which is people have this this mentality that there is no possible way. There's actually literally no possible way for you to be 
arty, for you to be authentic, for you to create what you want and stay true to yourself while simultaneously learning how to market the right way or, or learning how to use the internet to your advantage. For some reason, I, I don't uh-huh, keep going. I, I, I absolutely don't think that that's the case. Absolutely. Thank I, you. I, just, I just think that like a lot of the marketing people I've met are quiet, shilly, of course, and are quiet, like I can disingenuous. Agree with that. And then, and literally the reason they get into it is because they like money. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. However, for every person that I have found like that in the marketing space, I can find just as many in the music space of people wanting to do music for like, oh, I want it, I want it for the that's girls. A, I want it for the, dude, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, okay. I kind of wanted to finish up on uh, the this final question, which is that um, like what advice would you give then to say kids who are, or not kids, you know, for people who are just like doing anything, whether they be making tutorials on YouTube, whether they be making sample packs, whether they be releasing music independently on Bandcamp or even releasing music on a label, but the label's not doing as much marketing as they should, or if they're fuck writing blogs, who, who, who knows, whatever. Um, what, what advice would like, where's a good starting point do you think for these people to start like reading about like where they should be investing their time and money or, or what kind of things do you think that they can be actionably doing instantly or very soon after listening to this podcast to try and you know, better position themselves in the, in the industry and, and getting their, their stuff in front of the right people? This is such a good question. I appreciate you asking this. It may be slightly lengthy, but I promise that the payout of this answer is going to be worth it, okay? Um, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, so hold on. I just want one second to collect my thoughts because I want to make sure I put this in a way that is very easy to understand, you know, going full circle to being the teacher that's really easy to understand, right? Um, right. The number one thing, if I was listening to this podcast and I want, and I was feeling motivated, I was feeling inspired, or even just a little bit curious about, well, maybe what Bill and Wyatt were talking about today, maybe it was true. You may, even if you have that little tiny spark inside of you or a huge flame, whatever it is, what I would do leaving this podcast is this. I would incorporate my personal system of what I call iMac. iMac is an acronym. It has nothing to do with Apple. It's just an acronym. It stands for isolate, master, apply, conquer. This is my method of learning things, of mastering things, not music mastering, but actually like becoming very skillful at something. Um, it Mm -hmm. It is my method to be able to overcome anxiety, depression, to know what the next steps in my life is. This is my, this is my self improvement method. This is everything. Like without this, my entire progression trajectory just goes out the window iMac, what I do to incorporate this, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple to understand, right? You isolate your problem, you master your problem, you, uh, or sorry, mastering, meaning you go and figure out what to do to, to master the problem. Then you apply what you've learned. You've effectively conquered the problem and now have turned a weakness into a strength. And so mm-hmm. I promise this is going to get back to your initial question of what to do as far as marketing or, 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 or yeah, no, I, I think I could see where this is good, going. Good, good, good. So my method of doing this is this. Every morning when I wake up, and I'd highly encourage anyone to start waking up early, waking up at 5 a.m. has completely changed my life. And it's when I feel the most inspired, but that's a completely different conversation. But every single morning I wake up and I've created a Google form. I, and I open up that Google form and 
basically this form allows me to understand what is going on inside of my mind. It allows me to uncover all of the monsters that are wreaking havoc inside of my mind. It allows me to understand why I feel the way that I do. The worst thing that you can do right now is just assume, oh, feelings are feelings, thoughts are thoughts. There's nothing that you can do to control them or understand them. Oh, okay, I'm just going to live my life with this monsters wreaking havoc in my mind. That's the worst thing that you can do. Every morning I wake up, I open up this form. The first question on the form, in fact, I want to pull up the form because I don't want to butcher this, okay? I want to make sure I answer this or do this completely the way that I need to. First off, I put the date there. And then the next question on the form says this, what is my biggest pain point today? What is the number one thing, the number one problem that is bothering you right now? It could be anything. It could be, uh, I broke up with my girlfriend. I don't know how to master a song. I uh, need samples for this song. I don't know how to sound design. I, uh, I, how do I reach out to record labels? Uh, me and my girlfriend are in a fight. Uh, I think I have cancer. Whatever it is, whatever it is, right? You write down your biggest pain point right here. Then you move on to the next section, which is called the complain list. The complain list is not what it sounds like. It's not a list that you can complain on things. It's, it's a list where you write out every single thing possible that you can do to solve that pain point. Literally, if the list is 30 things long, the list is 30 things long. You write out literally as many things that you can do to solve that problem, even if it's just one, even if it's just go and research how to fix this problem. It doesn't matter. You write down every single thing. The concept of the complaint list is this. You do not have the right to complain until you have done every single thing on that list. You do not have the right to complain until you have tried everything. Once you've tried everything and you still haven't solved it, then you have the right to complain. Most of the time you're going to hit like the second or third thing and solve your problem. But Mm -hmm. you make the complain list. Right after that is a form that says, what are five things that I'm grateful for? My wife, my kids, the fact that I'm not blind, the fact that I live in a first world country, the fact that I have socks, the fact that whatever you want to say, right? The next question is, how do I feel today? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling depressed? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling excited, motivated? You put that there. Next thing is, what will I do today to feel the way that I want to feel? What will I do today in order to feel the way that I want to? Then the next thing, and this is kind of like the the freaking blind side to it all, is what is a much bigger issue that I am not currently experiencing that would dwarf what I am currently going through, right? So one of the, I'll tell you what my biggest problem is right now. The biggest problem that I have right now is that one of the ads for the Serum Masterclass is not converting the way that I want it to. So in this section where I would say a much bigger problem that is bigger than that, I'd be like my wife dying, my kids being taken away from me, something like that. So all of a sudden, if you can think about a problem that is much bigger than the one that you are currently experiencing, it puts your problem in perspective being like, okay, you know, like my problem is a lot smaller. That's really freaking good. At least I'm not experiencing some extremely tragic thing like this. The reason why I do this every single day is because like I mentioned, it allows me to be able to reach inside of my mind and see what is actually there. A lot of the time, you got to think about it. A lot of the time, we already have the tools in our mind to solve the problems that we have. We've read a book somewhere. We've had this thought one time. We had this idea. We thought about reaching out to this person. We thought about implementing this, but we don't do it. And they just sit there and fester inside of our minds. And then these monsters run rampant inside of your mind. Now. So it sounds like what you do is like sort of wake up and just take stock of what's going on. Exactly. And. I kind of do the same thing and I've um, only just started doing this uh, via meditation mm-hmm. and it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, um, but rather than sit there and sort of think about like actual things, um, you know, like this very specific, like I need to pay the my tax. I need to take my car to the mechanic. I need to get a haircut. Like I, rather than talking about like actual specifics, I more or less just sort of sit and be with the state of being and just 
anything that's showing up in my consciousness at all, whether it be a thought that comes into my mind that I can just observe and be like, cool, there's a thought that just came up or like a feeling, like just a, a feeling tone that like, you know, how am I feeling? Um, I don't really think about how I'm feeling, but if it comes up, I just try and notice that that feeling yeah. is coming up, you know, um, and, and stuff like that. And I think that's a super powerful thing to do. And essentially, it seems like at the base level, the same thing. It's really just taking stock of your experience. I completely agree. I completely agree. Not only, not only taking stock of your experience, but actively trying to do the best that you can with the experience, right? Because if we're not actively trying to do things to improve our lives, it, we, we will naturally go downhill. That, that, that happens 100% of the time. And so... Getting back to then, I appreciate I appreciate that comment, and that's really cool that you're doing that. So now, getting back to what I would do if I was the person listening to this podcast, I would immediately create a Google form with these questions that I just stated. And every could you imagine every single day you being aware of what your biggest problem is: sound design, mixing, mastering, vocal production, collaborating, uh, reaching out to record labels, knowing how to run Spotify ads, whatever it is. Right? Could you imagine every single day? You going straight to the biggest guy in the prison yard and punching him in the throat. You go straight to the thing that is bothering you the most and you just tackle it and you relentlessly go at it until you figure it out and turn it into a strength. Could you imagine what your life would look like in a month, in a year, in five years? To have that kind of motivation, to have that kind of goal, to be able to go to the number one thing that is trying to bring you down and you just slap it silly until you turn it into one of your super soldiers. Could you imagine what that would do now? Now, how to implement this on a marketing? So let's say that someone's like, heck yeah, why I'm into it. Let's do iMac hundred percent. I'm an iMac kind of guy now. Then how would you implement this on a marketing thing? Cause this, this was initially the type of question that you had, right? Okay. So now I want to kind of get into the marketing space. I want to learn how to leverage these things. How would I implement iMac on a marketing basis? What I would do is this. What is the biggest pain point with marketing? Do you not understand the theory behind it? How do you run a Facebook ad? How do you run an Instagram ad? Are they different? What is a retargeting pixel? What is an email list? Who are the people that I should be learning from in the first place? Whatever your biggest problem is, that's what you should focus on. And that's what you should go and figure out. If I was you, I would very first start off be like, where is a source? Where is a resource that I can tap into on the daily to continually start learning about things like this so that I could leverage it inside of my music? Where is the source to do that? And if I was, if I was a listener, I would go and make the biggest list possible. I would, I would, I would go on YouTube, I'd go to podcasting app, I would go to Google, and i type in best marketing blogs, best music marketing, whatever. Well, that's, that kind of contradicts what I said, because usually music marketing isn't what I really agree with. Right, right. <laughs> Except from Rick Barker, he actually yeah. knows what he's talking about, so I will say that. Um, but um, I would go and find as literally as many podcasts, as many YouTube series, as many blogs, as many anything, that the best type of media that you like to partake of, that is within that thing that you are struggling with. In this case, it'd be marketing. And just start partaking of it because you're, it's not going to be long before you start listening to a podcast or, or watching YouTube video and terms and processes and concepts that you don't understand are going to pop up. Well, guess what? Go like, okay, let's say you're starting to watch something and they're saying, they're talking about like, what, a, what the freak is a Facebook pixel? He's talking about that. He's saying it's the greatest thing ever. What the freak is that? Well, then iMac, dude, isolate it, master it, apply it, conquer it. 
And then, okay. Right, right. Yeah, it starts to sort of give you stuff to shoot at. Exactly. And as soon as you start walking down that pixel route, you're like, okay, now I understand what a Facebook pixel is. But well, hold up. Does, does, does Google have their own pixel? And then you go and read, oh, yeah, they do. What does Pinterest? Wait, can I market on Pinterest? And then all of a sudden, this path just starts spider webbing into all of these things, all these concepts that you didn't know that you didn't know before, but you just start hitting them one by one. So, so you, what you're saying is you would suggest everybody market themselves like independently and not hire like somebody else to do it for them. Cause don't you mm, think um, if you're trying to be the best you could be at music and you know, you're trying to already digest as much information as you can there and you're trying to spend, you know, four to six hours a day on music. And then after you do so you're pretty burnt. Um, you know, don't, don't you think if that's like you, you said, uh, your, your self-admission was that you don't have the energy to write music, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the people who are sort of maybe more in my camp of like, that's mostly what we do. Uh, you kind of end up pretty fucking burnt sure. out at the end of that. So it's kind of like, um, at that point, do you think like maybe the better advice would be to sort of just hire a marketing company or this is a great, 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 great question. I'm so glad that you brought it up. So really quickly to clarify, I'm, <laughs> I'm not just marketing all day. The reason why I'm exhausted is because I am creating products. I am running a team. I am building an unbelievably, completely unnecessary amount of funnels and so on and so forth. Like that's why I'm, I'm uh, exhausted. If people implemented what I think that they should implement, it would only take like 30 minutes to an hour a day and is really, really simple. Um, uh, however, getting, getting back to your point, what I am saying, I want to tell you, I want to tell you what I am saying and I want to tell you what I'm not saying. What I am saying is that I don't think that people should rely if someone is specifically in the music industry and they specialize with promoting things in the music industry, I would be extremely hesitant to go with that person unless they just have unbelievable results. And they show you, it's like, this is, we did this and this happened and here's the results, right? If that is, if that is the case, then I would go with them. Cause again, this is not just me saying this, this is everyone inside of my mastermind, almost every single marketer that I talk to the music industry marketing scene is literally the butt of every single joke. It is, it is just like, no one knows what they're doing inside of there. Um, um, but, but, what I'm also, also what I'm saying is that learning marketing, actually learning marketing is extremely and vastly easier than learning music production. You know, this, they're not equally, you know, if 10, 10 hours into, into music production and 10 hours into learning marketing are two completely different results. You got to remember music production is very subjective. It's very, you know, you have to listen to your feelings and learn how to do that. Marketing is marketing is marketing is marketing. One plus one equals two. In music, one plus one equals a triangle. You know what I mean? Like, or like you know, one plus one to one person equals two and to another person equals fucking shit. Exactly. Where marketing, it's a science. You know, it's just, it's, it's formulaic. So learning marketing is a lot easier. However, so those are the things that I am saying. It's easier. I do think that people should walk down that path just to see, number one, if they like it. And number two, it's just to see the kind of results that they have. But what I am not saying is that everyone should do that because of, you know, out of virtue, because why it said you should, there are right, people right. that will walk down the marketing path and be like, I see the results and I see that this is good for me, but I loathe what is going on here. I hate making ads. I hate turning off keywords inside of Google AdWords. I hate X, Y, Z. And for those people, I say, 
that's totally fine. That is why agencies exist. That is why external marketers exist. Or maybe you're the type of person that's like, listen, I am so, dude, I'm producing 12 hours per day, per day. I don't have time to market. Well, then that's fine too. You, That's why agencies exist. That's fine. It's just picking the right type of agency. I can't, bro, I, oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, Wyatt, bro, I just released on insert label here and they're not pushing my music and I'm screwed. I'm giving them 50% of the cut and this was supposed to be my biggest EP or my biggest song and now what the freak do I do? If I had a quarter for every time that has happened in the last year, I would have like $11.75. That's way too much money to have. And so you see what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. No, I understand completely. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. I think marketing in that sense is important. And I know a few people in the few people I know in the music industry who do go really ham on marketing, such as yourself and like um, the guys over at GGD. I don't know if you're familiar with that company. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably you probably are if you're in like if you're ever on Instagram and stuff, they're kind of the same as Door Nation. It's like you'll see the shit pop up constantly. Um, and yeah, a few other companies like that, like all the people I know who are doing it are just crushing it. <laughs> and They're doing so well. So it clearly works if you know how to do it right. Um, and it doesn't come off as too shilly. I mean, like I don't look at GGD or Door Nation as, as you know, these sort of greasy heads, slimy sort of here, come and check out the shit in the boot of my Cadillac type companies or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, cool, man. Well, hey, man, I appreciate the conversation. Um, I kind of want to wrap it up. Of course. Uh, is there any, any final things you might want to plug, like maybe resources people can go check out to learn more about uh, marketing stuff or any, just you're more than welcome to plug all of your own stuff if you would like on this platform. I totally cool with me. Um, or just any final parting words or thoughts that you might want to leave people with? For sure. So let me, let me get the plug out really quick because that is important. Let me get the plug out really quick. So first off, if anyone wants to find out more about Daw Nation, you know, our In the Daw series or our Behind the Daw series or any of our courses, anything of like of that nature, you can go over to dawnation.net and find out more about there. If you're really interested in learning from the people that are actually currently doing it in the music industry and learning straight from the source, that I'd highly encourage you to head on over there. Check that out. You can also follow us on any social media, da underscore nation. Uh, we love hearing from you. We'd love to you know answer any questions of that nature. Um, as far as marketing resources, personal marketing resources that I would encourage people to go check out that I know would really, really help them, I'd highly encourage every single person to drop everything that they own and go research a guy by the name of Russell Brunson. He is unbelievable. He is literally the king of marketing, and he is unbelievably smart. He's got a podcast. He's got a YouTube channel. He also runs a company called ClickFunnels, which is what we do all of our marketing through. Actually, literally a genius. And just by virtue of going and listening to him, he's going to drop names of other people to research. And he's going to be research. He's going to be interviewing other people that are going to be, uh, the, that are going to have podcasts that you can go check out. Um, also, if you look him up on YouTube, there'll be like related videos on the side of also really great people as well. So that is the number one person. If you go and research anyone for marketing, Russell Brunson is by far the best, like without a shadow of a doubt. Um, as far as a, any final words, any final words, this is a good question. Yeah, I, I got one. I got one final phrase. I got two. I got two final phrases. They're short, but they're they're really really good. Okay. <laughs> so number one, I don't care who you are, where you are, what you've been through, what you're currently going through, or what you are going to go through. Basically, saying there is no scenario that anyone at all can bring up to me that they can dissuade me from believing this statement. At any given time, at any circumstance, 
you are literally just one idea away from solving the biggest problem of your life. No matter what problem you can think of, there is no problem out there that when ideas are constantly thrown at it, it can be solved. There's no problem out there. Literally, the, like kind of, kind of the only idea that I, or the only concept I can really think of is dying, right? If you die, yeah, you, can't, like you a, can't do that. Being, yeah, being diagnosed maybe with like a terminal illness or something. Exactly. Like if it's there, there I, I will admit that there are situations out there that currently, currently cannot be fixed. However, they will not indefinitely be fixed. I truly believe that the diseases that we deem as uncurable now will be curable in the future. So I will deem that there are some things that are like that. But most of us don't have cancer. Most of us don't have tumors. So again, those are marginal examples. However, most of us believe they are extremely terminal things and there is nothing that we can do to solve them. And I call bullcrap because think about it. Monumental issues that existed 100 years ago the plague, uh, women giving birth and dying at an enormous rate, things of this nature. We don't worry about that kind of stuff anymore, except for COVID. That's kind of uh, you know a new development. But uh, eventually that will be <laughs> yeah, solved. It's, uh, plague of 2020. Exactly. But eventually I that mean, will be solved. You know, I, think, I think these problems, if you throw enough human suffering at them like we did and have and are currently, uh, they get solved. Exactly. They're going to be solved. And the same is for you. If, if you feel like you can't, promote your music, you feel like you can't produce to the style that you want to, you feel like you can't be authentic and a marketer at the same time, any problem that you bring up to me, I call bullcrap that that is the final scene of your play. I call so much bullcrap. And with that, I that is leading me to my second and final point to close this whole thing up. I want you to truly, genuinely think about this statement. You did not come this far to only come this far. Think about the potential that lives inside of you. Think about the potential of humanity, the people that have come before you. Think about all the energy, all of the work, all of the sacrifice of your ancestors and what you have already put in. To think that this, what you are experiencing right now, whether good or bad, is the pinnacle of what you can experience is asinine. It's against all logic and all evidence. You can't even imagine the depths of your potential and what you can achieve. You did not come this far only to come this far. Keep going. The future is bright. The future is beautiful. I feel like I'm selling a self-improvement book right now, but I'm absolutely <laughs> serious, okay? This is something that I truly believe, and, and the more that I believe it, the more that I craft my life around this statement, the more success, the more barriers that I break through, the next level of super saiyan I achieve. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you agree with what I'm saying here, Bill? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I think like this podcast is uh, on my platform, a really interesting thing for people to listen to, because I think the kind of people who listen to it are, are the kind of people you say who are just like a, sort of somewhat maybe against marketing or just have no idea, right? Mm -hmm. So I think... um. I think it's like a really, this is a really good resource uh, for people to listen to because I've, I've not really had anybody on the podcast that's like super good at marketing. I've had like managers on and I've had agents on and I also think they're great people to interview um, too because, you know, it's it's sort of like this, this exterior shit in the music industry that's kind of like, you know, the more unknown stuff. Whereas, you know, how to make a fucking bass in Massive is like pretty easy to figure yeah. out at this point. <laughs> or, or at least most people listening to this podcast know how to do it because they've watched all the tutorials. So I just want to thank you for um, for sharing a bunch of this marketing information and, and sharing sort of information from this side of the industry that 
may not seem so obvious to to people listening. I appreciate that, man. I actually have a, I actually have a bonus final thing that I want to say if that's okay. So of course. So usually after we have the the marketing discussion, usually they're like, "Holy crap! I wish there was some type of." specific resource out there, not just marketing in general resource, but a specific resource that has to do with music marketing and really applicable. And currently right now, I don't know anything like that that does exist. There might be something out there that exists. I don't know, but currently I don't know anything out there that does exist. However, I do want you to know that we are working on something right now. We are dumping an unreal amount of money into testing these tactics to make sure that it works in any situation with any person to grow anything in any area in any part of the world in any part of music we are trying this right now when it's all said and done we probably are going to spend around a hundred thousand dollars to prove what we are working on at which point it will be available and all the knowledge that i've gained over the last 10 years of marketing will be inside of there and if it doesn't completely change your life i will literally bake you a pie every sunday for the rest of my life and so I just want to throw that out there. It's in the works. I have no idea when it's going to be available. I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I know it's coming. And I just want to say that one final thing. Okay. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I look forward to it. Um, well, thanks again, man. I appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah, I look, I look forward to meeting you in real life one day. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. (laughs) 